everyone, and welcome to Coach Me Experts Interview. I'm Dori Sukup, founder of Inspiration Management, and with me today is my special guest, Ed Kuhn, with the Wellness Medical Protection Group. We are here today to share with you how to make sure you and your business are protected with the right insurance so you can avoid big, costly mistakes. We had such a great response to today's topic. I'm so excited to bring to you Ed because he is truly going to share with you some great, great strategies and ideas and insight to really help you. So I would like to start by introducing him, and then we'll go ahead and answer all the questions that many of you have submitted and also the most frequently asked questions that usually Ed actually gets. Um, Ed is the principal agent for Wellness Medical Protection Group, based in Chicago. I was just there last week, but he was out skiing, as a matter of fact, so I missed him. (laughs) Ed started his insurance career in 1990 in insurance finance, then as an underwriter for professional liability before becoming a broker and agent. In 2001, he started Liability Insurance Solutions, Inc., as a specialty agency focusing on liability insurance product for physicians, medical staffing companies, and alternative medicine. He is truly an expert in developing insurance programs for spas, aesthetic spas, anti-aging businesses, and associations. So I am just so excited to have him here and shed some light on all this insurance talk. So welcome, Ed. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Dory. Thanks for the great introduction. I'm sorry I missed you in Chicago last week. I know. I guess you were having fun while I was working. (laughs) Yeah, I'm back to work now. (laughs) Well, that's good. We're glad you are because you're here with us, so that's a good thing. So if you'd like to ask questions while we're still on the call here, feel free to email them to dory at inspirationmanagement.com, and Ed and I are going to leave some time at the end to answer some more of your questions. So let's go ahead and dive right in and start, I guess, talking with the type of insurances that a medispa or a spa business or a practice that's doing aesthetics should really have. What are some of the ideal things they need to have? Okay, thanks. Uh, This is commercial insurance, so it's business insurance. Mm -hmm. And in running the business in this particular case, there are two types of segments for covering the, the liability and all the insurance was, for that matter, uh, for your spa. One would be the what I would call the normal business risk of running any business, which would be slip and fall, property damage, theft, fire, uh, and then there are some, of course, there are some other uh, risks that are inherent to running a med spa, uh, such as needle stick coverage and things like that. So running your spa and running the normal type risks that are involved with running that business. That's the first segment. Those particular types of products are the more traditional products that we know of, such as from like the Hartford CNA and Travelers. The other part is the professional side, which is really my stronger background and what where the more specialty type of approach needs to take place. Professional liability to cover your healthcare practitioners, in particular the medical director and the medical director for doing uh, medical director duties, such as administrative duties, setting standards and protocols, uh, and that, but also for could also possibly involve direct patient care, not only a direct patient care of the medical director, any other physician that's involved in the spa, 
all the way down to the uh, injectors and the laser technicians. Uh, we sell policies that cover the clinic part of it, and the clinic part of it, when I say the clinic, that means the business entity and everyone that works under that business entity from the medical director, the physicians, and all the healthcare practitioners. So that no one really goes out and buys an individual insurance policy. They're buying a business insurance policy. Well, that makes sense. What would the liability policy cover normally? Um, negligence. Um, you know, the, the 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 business. What they call the business owners' policies um, cover. You know, that's something happening there with patients coming in and out of the building. This, by the way, is something that's typically required by any landlord in order to sign a lease to a rent space for your med spa. Uh, the liability on the professional side is is also negligence. Negligence from a medical malpractice standpoint. This type of insurance for med spas doesn't involve, you know, surgery, delivering babies, doing orthopedics. It, it, it's, it's what I would always call you're treating people that are well. People that are sick go to the traditional specialties like primary care physicians, general medicine doctors, and they're looking for that uh, physician to diagnose them. This is different in terms of the liability. The liability here is people are, are mostly paying cash, mostly having expectations. They're well, but they just want something cosmetically done or internally done, such as balancing hormones or uh, aesthetics, uh, doing Botox injections, lasers. So they, they expect a certain result. And anytime they don't get that result, then they're susceptible for, you know, a situation that, that could develop, um, keeping the customer um, uh, expectations in line. So, it's different in terms of where the claims can come from. Okay. I get this question all the time, actually, Ed, where let's say you have a Medispa and they buy the liability insurance, and the Medispa is not owned by a doctor. It's owned by an entrepreneur, but they do have a medical director, let's say. How does the liability insurance or who should be buying the liability insurance in this case? Should they both be buying liability insurance? That's a good question, and yes, we, we do get that um, quite often. It all kind of depends on the situation. We start with insuring the business and insuring the employees of the business, but a lot of times the medical directors are hired as independent contractors, and by definition, an independent contractor should be responsible for his or her own insurance. Mm-hmm. So, But that becomes problematic because now that medical director has to go out and get an individual policy. Typically, that medical director probably is working somewhere else, like a hospital with a physician group or maybe even at another spa. And going out and getting a separate policy to satisfy that requirement that as an independent contractor, they need their own insurance. Uh, But the more common sense, practical, cost-effective way to do it is for the medical spa that could be owned by, you know, an entrepreneur, as you say, would go to the medical director and say, I will have you covered for the insurance as my medical director under my clinic's policy by definition. So and that's mostly the way we do it. And that makes it easier to find the medical director, which which can be difficult in certain areas, if the insurance is already in place for the medical director. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some that will have their own policies. Right, but would that, would that mean that the Medispa would have to get a malpractice? type of insurance within the liability insurance? Now, that's kind of built into the overall um, approach that, that is taken with the business insurance. There's a, 
that's why it's separate when you buy a, a professional liability medical malpractice because of the fact that most insurance companies don't want to cover anything to do really with medical liability. And so the companies that we have covering the, the professional liability, medical professional liability for med spas are the ones that are also covering, uh, you know, traditional specialties and surgeons and physicians and even dentists and things like that. They, uh, so, so that's where it's, that's where it's segmented. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody has an independent contractor, like a nurse, for example, that comes in and injects their clients and leaves, so from what you were just saying, so we can clarify for everybody on the call with us today, they would get their own insurance as an independent contractor then, or can they still be part of the business liability? Which is the best way to structure this this relationship? To be it, it, to be part of the business liability policy, and I'll tell you why, because those individuals can come onto the policy and be covered with the restriction that they're only covered while they're working for you. Mm-hmm. They can... Uh, leave the policy, let's say, a year later for whatever reason, and they would still be able to report a claim while, that occurred while they were working for your spa. Mm-hmm. It's called um, extended reporting. Mm-hmm. Because w- if if you have um, an independent contractor, let's say a nurse that has his or her own policy, and they leave, you have to be um, assured that they're, they'll be able to report a claim after they leave because of their statute of limitations. It starts to get a little technical at this particular point, but mm-hmm. it, I think it's always better to try to have all your personnel covered under your umbrella master clinic policy for, mm-hmm. for con- so you can control the insurance going on and off. You have some independent contractor that comes in and leaves. There's no guarantee that if a claim you get hit with a lawsuit six months later that they're going to have that policy around, that, it, that you're going to be able to report that claim to that policy. You lose control of your insurance. Well, I mean, I don't like the idea of having independent contractors anyway, but I do know that there's a lot of day spas as well as some medi spas that may not be owned by doctors that like to partner with nurses, PAs, doctors to come in and do some injections, and usually they don't make them employees. So it's a very fine line here between what the IRS, I guess, allows and not allows. So I was just wondering how the insurance plays within this kind of a relationship, but you clarified it, so that makes sense. What other structure ideas do you have for when you're talking about coverage and covering medical directors or procedures? What's the best way to really structure all this? Another question we get commonly, too, especially, you know, first-time callers and startups, uh, they typically could be a physician or, you know, even, like I said, an entrepreneur would call and starting a med spa and, um uh, we also get calls from existing uh, medical offices that want to create a med spa within that office. And the uh, advice would be to you know, form an LLC, form a separate entity. Uh, and in the case of an integrative practice where you might be have general medicine and then mixed with med spa activities, you got to have that delineation and coverage. And also those patients are probably paying in cash, which other patients are paying in reimbursement on the other side of the house. So, uh, form an LLC uh, for the spa itself to handle not only the insurance side of it, but also the legal end of it for taxes. Uh, and, th- and that's usually the first step in, in you know, 
creating the business. Um, the and that's usually the, the most recommended way, way that all the attorneys and the accountants recommend you do it because, like I said, there's all that benefits. And that's that's the best structure for it. Okay, sounds good. And what about? Can you share with us? Maybe I'm sure you've heard all kinds of stories. <laughs> well, first of all, I wanted to ask you actually, how much should somebody be insured for as far as liability? Is there a, a number that they have based on how many employees they have? And then once you come up with that number, I'm sure you've heard some stories that maybe you can share with us some examples of how some people or how some insurance companies are defending claims or things that people are experiencing in Medispas. Oh, good question. Sure. Uh, the, the the first question was uh, regarding limits of liability. Uh, each state has um, minimum requirements and, and recommendations. Uh, typically, the insurance company will issue a million dollars per claim, three million aggregate. By definition, that means that you have you can report three separate uh, claims and have up to a million dollars allocated liability limit for those each of those claims until you exhaust your insurance. So one thing you always want to make sure is you have that aggregate put in so that one claim doesn't exhaust your insurance. And a million dollars is really more than enough for the type of risk that's involved with the typical med spa. Uh, and most of the rating and the pricing, so to speak, is in the first hundred or two hundred thousand dollars of that. So it's kind of like having some excess liability insurance on top of where you really, you know, should be as far as a, a limit is concerned. So that's good for you know added protection. And the the second part of your question had to do with you know how does that uh, apply to claims and and. But, you know, we always, as the industry um, started, um, and when I first started the agency back in the early 2000s, uh, it, it was kind of um, new procedures were coming on, things like hormone replacement therapy, and lately it's been things like PRP. And it, the insurance companies uh, really don't have much data in order to be able to project where claims could be five or ten years down the road. Uh, they really just go off the um, things that you know, the physicians' knowledge, the competency uh, associations that have done research, like the A4M and a lot of the um, societies involved that have you know created scientific backing to it. That, uh, but really, the insurance companies in this specialty area class don't have a lot of data to go off of. And a good example of that is, is happening lately with uh, male testosterone therapy. You know, there, there's advertising going on right now. The FDA came out with a safety label warning about how male testosterone therapy could lead to cardiac problems in men. And that was enough to uh, have the insurance companies shore up their defenses because the plaintiff's attorneys could now have a cause and effect relationship involved in order to bring a claim. Uh, the, the, the effect being any uh, man that has a stroke while under male testosterone therapy, even though there, there hasn't been really any scientific studies correlating the two and in fact you know societies like a4m is actually have done patient studies up to 25,000 patients that don't show a correlation the fact of the matter is that there was a claim paid out to um, a 55 year old man who had a stroke that was on testosterone therapy and even though in the case there wasn't any um, conclusion made that male testosterone therapy caused the stroke the judge still had you know, a patient there that needed care, and the insurance company had the money to pay it. And it was as simple as that. So that's a good example of a claim that could happen in this space. Uh, 
and 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 it's something that the insurance company doesn't necessarily see coming when they originally start covering it. Mm-hmm. Well, in working with a lot of medi spas, you know, as you do, we hear some stories with like lasers, either laser hair removal, and somebody burned somebody. When I was at the A4M last year, everybody was so big on vaginal rejuvenation and using all sorts of different treatments there. Um, you know, even if somebody got Botox and maybe they did not do such a good job and they had one eyebrow up and one eyebrow down, what are some of, like, the most popular claims that you guys come across? Uh, laser burns are certainly, um, uh, you know, the, 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 they're in terms of frequency because just a sheer number. We have, you know, have some spas doing thousands of laser procedures a year, and sooner or later just, you know, by sheer numbers there's going to be some that leads to a problem. Um uh, also, you know, I had mentioned about the male test- uh, hormone replacement therapy and you know, uh, accusations that you're overdosing the pa- patient on hormones. And, and uh, but really, what I think it comes down to, Dory, is just managing those expectations. We get um, calls once in a while saying, "Hey, you know, a patient isn't satisfied. They're threatening to do this or that. What should we do?" And I said, "Well, you know, give them their money back. Tell them that they couldn't." Uh, satisfy um, that and you know, handle it just as you would any other kind of patient complaint. Uh, and you have to have a policy for something like that. Mm-hmm. You also have to have you know um, things like uh, patient informed consent forms mm-hmm. um, as your defense in, in terms of documentation for really any procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, that's the 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 funny part about it is it's it's hard to look into the crystal ball and see you know what is going to be the next big fen fen type class action suit. Which is really what they're they're mostly concerned about. We've had procedures over the years come and go, like lipo dissolve, uh, and and things like that. That, like you said, um, you know, they, 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 there's maybe a a, um, a popular procedure right now, such as vaginal rejuvenation. We got a lot of requests to cover that, which is another specialty procedure that's not necessarily had it been a traditional med spa procedure. So that's the interesting part about the industry is being able to cover the new things that that come along. And up to this point, we've had you know, discussions with underwriters. As long as they can get their arms around it and, and figure out what the risks are, we can get it that covered. Mm-hmm. So the best way for them to protect themselves, because part of this is really I want them to go away feeling like, yes, okay, I'm protected. So you definitely need to have all the forms in place by procedure, I'm assuming, right? They focus on the procedures, they meaning the underwriters? Uh, the application is probably the most important part of the whole process. The application is your representation of what they're supposed to cover for you. Okay. Um, and the application uh, should fit and meld into what the coverage is. So, for example, uh, if I was looking into insurance with you or for my different treatments that I do, so I would come to you and say, okay, Ed, I want to be covered for uh, injectables, Botox fillers, lasers, whatever, whatever. Here's all my documents that the clients are signing, right? And Mm -hmm. then what do I need to do now? Would my liability insurance be covered by each procedure? So should you know, like, each procedure that I'm actually offering so I am covered for each procedure, or am I just getting a blanket policy for all the procedures that I do? A blanket policy for all the procedures, as long as they are properly represented on the application. And most of the applications will have actually a matrix, a checkbox. Are you doing PRP? Are you doing HRT? Are you doing mm-hmm. Botox and fillers, mm-hmm. uh, medical weight loss? And then they want to know three things. Uh, 
Uh, how often are you doing that procedure? Who's doing that procedure? And is that person trained to do that procedure? Or, uh, you know, in the case of PRP, most of the time they just want to see physicians doing it, for instance, uh, for now. And so those specifically focus on the procedures. Make sure you get validation that those procedures are covered. The insurance company won't get specific and say we're covering Botox. They'll say we're recovering your professional services as outlined on the application. Mm-hmm. We want to keep that broad. We mm-hmm. don't want to specifically say procedures because mm-hmm. that's too, too defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very important to make sure that the procedures that you're doing are um, represented on the application. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that way they're covering themselves better. Right, especially uh, non-FDA procedures, uh, because many insurance uh, policies have FDA exclusions. Anything that is not approved by the FDA is excluded. So, one, mm-hmm. just for an example, of one area to to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. So, how would I process that? Let's say one of my clients did get burned, or they're not happy with something, or the results were not what they expected, and they want to file a claim. So what would be the best way for a MediSpa to handle a claim? Are we supposed to document, uh, put things in writing? What, what's like the whole, the proper procedure? I've seen the documentation, uh, especially the um, um, patient-informed consent forms being signed uh, are, is important. Um, follow-up is probably the area where I see the most uh, problems arise in that the patient comes in for a procedure, has a problem, but then refuses to come back into the spa to have them, you have the doctor look at it, remediate it, uh, whatever, you know, refer it off to a specialist. They don't go back and they go somewhere else and, and you know, uh, encourage the patient to come back for the follow-up, encourage the patient to do all the, the post-procedure. Um, that's probably very important. And, again, I think it comes down to managing the expectations. Mm-hmm. You buy insurance to pay claims, and there are, you know, going to be claims involved. Uh, the typical laser burn claim could be, you know, anywhere from 20000 to $75,000 because a burn is a – and the, the rule of thumb on any claim really, and from what I've seen over the years, is if there's permanent injury, most likely there's going to be money paid. Uh, you get a lot of claims that involve, you know, things that happen where there's not really permanent injury. All of a sudden, the, pa- the prognosis is the patient's fine, the, the scar went away, or the Botox wore off, or something along those lines. That's different than if there's permanent injury where there needs to be money spent for care for that injury. Mm-hmm. Then you're looking at a situation where most likely, you know, that's going to be a, um, a claim that, that's going to have money paid out uh, for damages. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what would be, like, the best terms, and what are some of the average prices for liability insurance? Well, yes, uh, it's market-driven. There's th- This area is dominated by what they call surplus lines companies, and surplus lines companies are companies that are filed in the in particular state, but their rates and their policy terms aren't written and set in stone with the state insurance department. They can change their rates and they can change their terms at renewal. Once they write that contract, they can change it at renewal, and so that's why using an agent and broker like myself, one of our primary functions is to make sure that the the terms and pricing that you have is always the best that the market has to offer in terms of what I call the value, which is, you know, the mix between price and coverage. Mm -hmm. So there's a, so it's market driven. And this is unlike, uh, 
a lot of the standard admitted type policies where they'll charge a family practitioner in the state of Georgia you know, the same price for every single practitioner in that state as long as they meet the underwriting criteria. Mm-hmm. With Metaspas, it's different. They're all doing different things, doing different procedures. They want that flexibility and underwriting to be able to cover the things that they're doing in specialty medicine, which may only be, you know, 10% of the overall industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the standard companies ensure the big bulk of what's going on in the industry, and then the non-standard surplus lines companies ensure the specialty parts mm-hmm. of what's going on. And that's the uh, yeah, so the, the distinction made between, you know, the most physicians that I may talk to, for instance, that are covered by like a physician's mutual insurance company, the type of insurance they're now going to buy for their Medispa uh, is going to be a little bit of a different policy than that. Okay. But again, you cover the business uh, and can cover uh, procedures as they come on and off because of the custom underwriting, can cover locations, healthcare practitioners. It gives you the flexibility you need to operate, uh, but it also um, means that every year you have to kind of make sure that you go through a, um, uh, an exercise with your agent or broker to make sure that you know the, your your coverage is the same and that you're paying the best price for that. On average, in the market right now, for a million dollar in liability per claim, three million limit. Uh, for a med spa, you're looking at um, rates the, in, in a bell-shaped curve that go from like $3,500 a year up to about 7500 depending on, um, you know, the, the types of procedures and the volume. But typically, you're looking at about $5,000 a year, which is a pretty good value for, considering that $5,000 is usually minimum premium that any physician gets charged for doing, really doing anything, plus you throw in the fact that it's covering the business, the entity, the healthcare practitioners, and all the procedures. Right. There, we have a lot of competition right now, more than we, than we had, you know, in the past. And is the term usually one year whenever they sign for one right. policy? Right, 12-month policy period, um, and then at renewal, you kind of start the process all over again. Now, what happens if somebody has non-FDA? You had mentioned about the FDA approval, but what happens if it's non-FDA for some of the procedures that they have? Does that go up? Yes. Uh, we have insurance companies that will cover non-FDA-approved uh, procedures, but they'll usually generally charge more to do that. Mm-hmm. Not That's more meaning maybe 10 or 20% more. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because they don't have the defense of the you know, the, the big government Food and Drug Administration stamp of approval on any of the of the products, um, Botox agents, supplements, and things that they're, you know, that, that they're recommending. And so they have to rely now on, on other sources to defend the product, and it just, you know, adds another, uh, it just sheds away a layer of defense when the, uh, as opposed to having the FDA-approved product. Well, one question I wanted to ask you, actually. Does the claim become public? Good question. No. Uh, there is the thing called the Nat- National Practitioner Data Bank, and they, there could be a claim reported on that. The claim, you know, of course, if you don't want, want it to get, get uh, out into the public and make sure that that's handled right and from, from a media and PR standpoint. But I, you know, I haven't seen situations where claims there's no reporting agency or anything like that, other than the National Practitioner Data Bank, 
which would generally pull from the traditional companies, you know, the claims that are filed from the traditional companies as well as, you know, court reports and things like that. But, you know, for instance, like a laser burn claim, you wouldn't see that anywhere. Unless they go on, uh, of course, Yelp and social media, the entire thing, and ruin your reputation in the community, which you have to be very careful about. But as far as the insurance process itself, you're saying usually it's not. Correct. Okay. Well, that's good. At least it protects them somehow. <laughs> this way they don't see that they're paying all these thousands of dollars. If so the insurance pay. company, I mean, I, I, can't, I could never even call an insurance company and get them to tell me what's happened. Once a claim gets filed, even I'm out of the mix. It really just comes down between the attorney, the claims attorney, and the insured. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that point it becomes confidential. Yeah. And how much does usually, if you did start getting claims and you're paying people back for bad treatments, how much does your insurance usually end up starting going up? Uh, it really de- depends on how much was, it was paid out by the insurance company. Um, I've seen it, and it really depends on the, on the, the set of circumstances. If it's gross negligence, they're, they're probably going to, you know, uh, uh, hammer. Uh, the, the extreme case is that they non-renew you, and they non-renew you because they see a, a bad operating situation like three claims in a year or something like that, mm-hmm. where where they paid out, you know, let's say six figures worth of claims, and, you know, they're charging you, only charge you $5,000 a year, and they paid out a $100,000 claim. They're losing money on you. They're going to lose money, and you most right. likely that insurance company is going to drop you. Mm-hmm. Then you need to find a new company that's willing to pick it up. And actually, that's not as bad as it seems because the new company figures well as long as you fix the problem that caused the the claims in the first place, and we're comfortable with that. And you know we figure that it's not going to happen again because of that. And you've been burned already. Then they're more willing to to you know insure it going forward. Yeah, so that's a big factor on what's your annual premium going to be then, whether you're getting claims or not. Right. And, you know, sometimes it, it might take four, five, six years to, to get to the point where you're back and uh, where you're not being surge charged anymore for that claim. So that that could compound over over time. And it's all, more, all the more reason to, you know, make sure that your agent or broker is shopping and marketing the account to the to, because it changes from year to year and, and probably the 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 best environment for that is if you've been with a company for five or six years and you haven't given them a claim. We've had some med spas now covered for ten years with no claims and really very operated very well. Now I have leverage to go out into the insurance market and get the best that they have to offer because this is a known quantity spa that has made money for the insurance industry and, and, and obviously is doing the, the right things without the claim, you know, without the claims. Uh, and they're going to be more aggressive on pricing and more of a bidding situation to really start leveraging your, your rates down. Because, again, it doesn't follow any particular scale. It's all going to be a function of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Something that we, we you know, strive to... to Explain to the clients that you know how the the market end of it is driven. It's not something so much. If I do this, then this should happen. Well, you know, if my sales aren't going up. Questions like my activity isn't going up. Why is my premium going up? Or you know, things like that. And it's usually a market type scenario that drives that answer. Mm-hmm. So basically, if I'm looking for protection for my business, 
the best thing to do would be to reach out to, let's say, someone like you, and I basically go over my menu and tell you all your all the treatments that I'm currently offering, and then you would calculate the risk of what the liability is, and then you come up with a price according to what my menu items are. Is that how basically they? That's a, that's really how it works, Dory. Uh, uh, the, the application and the and the the application process is developing a profile of your spa, and I mm-hmm. and the agent helps you with that. You get a specialty agent kind of understands what you're doing, as mm-hmm. opposed to you know, most insurance agents have their specialties. You know, trucking, restaurants. I happen to do med spas, and sit down with somebody and you present that application, and that's the profile of what you want covered, and then that gets sent out to all the companies. In some cases, as many as ten to twenty that will will fit that have an appetite for that profile mm-hmm. and the, from the, those companies then we solicit terms back and we mm-hmm. from the 10 or 20 we send it to we might get four or five legitimate competitive terms that fit in kind of like a bell-shaped curve mm-hmm. and then we look at we present those to the client make a recommendation make some suggestions answer the questions back and forth and then whittle that down to be, because we understand it's a sequence of series of logical decisions made. Um, you know, what's, what does this mean? Is my coverage for that? We go back and forth a lot, a lot of consultation uh, until our mo- brokers don't get paid until they sell you something. So they want to make sure that they, you know, that's where our agendas are aligned. And then come back with, with a price and, um, you know, some terms and execute the terms. And there's premium financing, so you don't have to come up with all the money at once. And it becomes um, something that um, you just want to monitor once you get the insurance in place. And then about six days before the renewal, you kind of start that process all over again, incorporate any changes, any uh, new. But the policies, uh, most of them have um, features in them that will, like if you add nurses and laser text throughout the year, you can automatically do it without having to call the insurance company. What they'll do is at the at that end of that year is they'll measure your quantifiable um, thing that they're looking for, such as size of revenues, number of patient visits, number of Botox injections, and they'll just compare it between this year and last year. And you know, you've seen if, if your revenues have doubled, odds are your premium is going to go up, not proportionally, but you know, the insurance company's argument is that more patients coming through the door, the more risk there is. So now, have you seen it to where they don't have any claims and the insurance company still raises the prices on them? Does that happen? Uh, yeah, but I just had had it happen with um, a client that uh, um, was doing male testosterone therapy, for instance, because of that situation with that claim, and their their premium went up, and they were like, "Well, you know, I didn't do it. I've never, I've, I haven't done anything differently than I've done over the past past five years." But the insurance company again is, you know, raising the rate because of the high propensity of male testosterone therapy, where they again figure that you know that might get more attention because of the FDA safety warning so it's a good example of what you were just asking me I'm having some questions coming in here I have one here from Patricia so maybe we can start taking some as we're going sure. along she's asking if the medical director has his insurance that cover him and also his clinic, do I need another gov- coverage insurance, or with his insurance am I covered? Oh, good question. Yeah, if the medical director has his own policy, then we, we can issue the clinic policy and, and not have any physician's coverage on it at all. 
it would okay. it would have an exclusion for because all the physician coverage would be borne by the medical director's policy. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't and, need to have coverage. Well, she needs to have coverage, but it's it's coverage for the spa. But what they do is they exclude the physician coverage for it. And as a result, you know, you, you go in that range I gave you from like thirty five hundred to seventy five hundred, you're probably more down to like the thirty five hundred dollar because what they're gonna do is they're gonna exclude the, the the clinics policies, the the spa policies will exclude doctors on every one of them. Mm-hmm. And they'll add the coverage back in where there is a doctor that needs coverage, or they'll just leave it off. And in the case of the question here, they wouldn't add it on to begin with because the medical so director has his own. Has his own. Right. Okay. So basically all these spas, because I get this question, I mean, all the time, and I kind of asked it a little bit earlier on. So any day spa, because we have some on the call with us today, so any day spa who does have a medical relationship with a doctor where they can come in as a medical director and do injections, if the doctor has his own insurance and he comes to the spa, then he really does not need another insurance as long as the spa has their own insurance. Absolutely, right. Right. Make sure, but you know, of course, the big if there's is making sure that the doctor's policy covers work at your spa. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let me look here. I have another question. Let's see, this is how do we recoup the cost of the medical insurance if we pay instead of the contracted doctors? How do we recoup the cost of insurance if we pay? Cheryl. So how do we recoup the cost of the medical insurance if we pay instead of the contracted doctor? Okay, I I see. Um, Well, I always looked at it like you offer the insurance as an incentive to have the doctor come work for you because it was always difficulty, you know, finding physicians. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, We actually have a situation where doctors come in and work on their policy and charge them um, anywhere for like $2,500 a year for part-time to up to $5,000 a year for full-time to cover them. You know, they basically just reimburse. It's just an agreement that you have saying, we're covering your insurance. Part of our agreement is that you pay for insurance, reimburse us X amount of dollars to cover that. Mm-hmm. You just reimburse whatever you can negotiate, you know, back to say, you know, as part of your agreement, you have to pay X amount of dollars to cover your portion of the malpractice insurance. It's a prorated type approach depending on, you know what the doctor you know feels they should be paying for them all the time they're there and what they're doing and that's really how we have settled those those types of questions in the past mm-hmm. okay well i think it sounds like the best thing to really do is to have a good liability insurance yourself as an owner and then if you have a relationship with doctors they should have their own liability insurance and that way both businesses are covered uh, no matter where the doctor is working so. You can get it covered e- either way, really. Just, it comes down to your relationship. Mm-hmm. With the, if, I'm under the impression that you know you're going to find medical directors that you're looking to have come work at your spa that don't have separate insurance already. There are, of course, there are some that have it, but right. you know. And well, then I think where it, gets, where it gets sticky at is if there is a claim. So, and let's say the treatment was done at the spa by the doctor. So, whose insurance company is going to take care of that? Right. Um, it would be your insurance company if you were covering the doctor, and it would be his or her insurance company if they had their own. And what what the insurance company would be covering is the vicarious liability because they'll name the spa and also the doctor. 
the doctor has primary insurance with his own coverage, his or her own coverage, mm-hmm. and you, then you always have coverage for the vicarious liability. So again, just to kind of summarize that, you know, you're going to get a policy for your spa. It's either going to have physician's coverage or it isn't, depending on your medical director's position with their insurance. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of, you know, pivot off of that, so to speak. More commonly, what I see is that the, the doctor doesn't have their own insurance. Mm-hmm. And so that way you are, and because one of the, again, when the doctor has their his or her own insurance, when they leave you, you have to have an insurance uh, assurance that if they get sued, and mm-hmm. you know, they will be they, they'll. In other words, they don't cancel that policy when they leave. Because if they leave right. you and they cancel that policy, they have mm-hmm. no way to report a claim, right. and it will kind of fall back onto your vicarious liability policy that will exclude the physician. So you're kind of stuck without anyone defending that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have another question here from John. And he's asking, what is the suggested extended reporting period time frame to purchase for a leaving nurse contractor? What is the standard statute of limitation? Two to three years in most states. Mm-hmm. Uh, insurance companies will offer you typically one, two, or three years. Ninety-six percent of all the claims come within the statute of limitations. There's a very few small percentage that come outside, and it usually would have to be something very you know, kind of freakish in nature, so to speak. And that brings up the fact that one of the things you always want to look for in your policy is what's called an incident-sensitive form, and it's a common term. Incident-sensitive means that if you have a situation, circumstance, uh, that is developing and you think you could get, get sued, you know, for instance, like they're asking for, you know, a lawyer contacts you and asks you for the medical records or the charts of the case, you can report that as a claim so that if it does turn into a written complaint, you know, within that two-year statute of limitations, it reverts back to the day you reported it. It's kind of important in med spa uh, insurance because of the fact that you might have a long patient-doctor relationship with that patient and then not see him again for a year and then, you know, uh, then all of a sudden you get a suit and something that didn't happen. So it, it just gives you broadened terms in order to be able to report a claim as opposed to waiting for a written uh, lawsuit to come in, which in most cases you kind of know it's going to come by the time it comes, and then you can't report it until it actually gets comes in in a written format, which of course is probably going to be down the road from when you actually knew it was going to occur. So you always want to be able to report that situation, circumstance, or anything that could could lead to a rise in a claim as soon as you can with through that what's called the incident sensitive form. Mm-hmm. Now where do they get policy that form, form from? Do they just download that it? would be on their policy. Okay. And it's it's a broadening term. It's something that we love we as agents like to see in there because, you know, it gives if a client calls me and says, Well, I think this guy's gonna sue me, you know, this this is a bad case that happens. Well, you know, you can report it now. And then, and and then once you re, you got to because that is what is called a claims made and reported policy, meaning it's kind of like your auto insurance. I mean, you have to have insurance in force when you have the accident. Well, this is a similar type of approach where, when the when the the insurance has to be in place when the lawsuit comes, not so much when it occurred, right. which is called an occurrence form, which aren't really available on the marketplace for this type of insurance. Okay. 
Well, I think what I like to teach and tell people is once you do a procedure, you had mentioned how important follow-up is. We always advise that every single person should come back in. And if it's something that is necessary to take before and after pictures, you should definitely do that. And then what I like to teach and implement is a satisfaction form. So at the end of the return of the visit where they come back for their procedure and their checkup or whatever it is that they did like a couple weeks later or a week later or whatever the procedure is, then they should submit a satisfaction form where you present this form to me. It has my name, my address, my phone number, all my information. It has the name of my procedure. And then it has, I am completely satisfied with the procedure I received in such and such spa or whatever, and then they sign it and then they date it. And this satisfactory form should go into their file. Or better yet, it should be an electronic file. I'm going to give my buddy Blake here a little plug, Ed. So if you guys are still dealing with papers, you're crazy. You need MDWare and <laughs> solve all your problems so everything is paperless. Talk to Blake. He's the founder and CEO. He's my friend. And I love his software because it's all paperless. So if you do all these forms and they're all in your computer records and somebody does come and give you a claim and all of a sudden you have the satisfaction form, it's signed, you have the before and after pictures, so then it's really your word against theirs, right? Wouldn't that be a smart thing to do? Yeah, and, and that's the good thing about Blake's software is it, it prevents anything from falling through the cracks, which would be your vulnerability there. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I mean, the, the satisfaction is is the follow-up that you would need, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. That would be documentation that would be very solid in, in case, that, in other mm-hmm. words, like, you know, if you get all satisfaction forms back on every patient, mm-hmm. you're pretty you're pretty solid. Because you don't know where they go. Like you mentioned earlier, Ed, they might go somewhere else and God knows what they did to them. I mean, I have some clients, you know, some of our Coach Me Platinum members, they spend more time correcting mistakes that other people have done that to help people. But you might have done a great job and then they go somewhere else and somebody screws them, <laughs> screws them up and then they say, oh, it was you. How do we know it was us? That's why it's so important to do the satisfaction form. Absolutely. Anything like that. Uh, and, and you're right. You don't know what happens to the patient once they leave. They go. Mm-hmm. We had a situation with a claim where um, there was a fat transfer procedure done. The patient was told not to go in, any, in, in a hot tub basically for 30 days. She went in a hot tub and had problems with the fat. The doctor was hit with a, a $75,000 medical bill. They didn't even know what was going on. Uh, and it caused a problem because without the you know the medical bill being paid, then the, the patient didn't have any other choice other than to file a malpractice suit, even though there was really no malpractice done. So you're right. I mean, uh, uh, documentation and and um, can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, I think that's your best bet. Having everything paperless, be able to have all your consent form on the computer in their file. You have all your dotted I's and your E's are crossed, and that way it's really the best way to protect yourself and your team that's working with you. So that's very, very important. All right, so let's go back to our um, questions. What are the key factors that go into rating up any annual premium? Do you have, like, certain things that they actually look at? Uh, you know, the, the, the quantifiable measures that they look for. 
uh, and this is similar to like number of miles you drive in your car or how many widgets you make or how many square foot in your house. Uh, they're going to be looking at those, and, and the, the main ones are revenues, number of procedures, number of patient visits. Uh, and they'll anchor that from year to year. And there's, you know, how many did you do last year, how many did you do this year, and how many you project you might do the next year. Um, if you go out and hire another injector, well, you're hiring that person because you probably might be doing 300 more Botox injections next year. Uh, changes in the practice. Particularly in procedures, that would is what changes the rate. But really, if your practice is is a lot of um, you know just they level off in terms of the number of patients they have, they don't add any new procedures. They level off in terms of revenues. A spot like that can expect their premium to you know remain the same. Mm-hmm. Do you hear anything about um, like laser resurfacing? You're talking about where there's more risk with. The condition of the people, what they go through, or any kind of like, there are so many new treatments people are doing, like the Cabela with the double chin, all laser. Yeah, it 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 was something that came in, for instance, like in the hormones, where it's like now they pretty much have to have a test done to support right. anything, any type of um, treatment based on that is that we're going to want to see a, a blood work on something to support that. Mm-hmm. And th- that is, um, you know, goes for really any procedure. And, in, in, you know, the, the Medispa, the definition is medical-related and medical procedures. And, and so, it, you know, it's just like anything else needs to be done in a you know, sterile environment with crash carts and with, you know, backup systems and, you know, safety measures put in place and um, protection of patient electronic health records and things like that. You know, the level of sophistication is just a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's going on with telemedicine? I know at the A4M show when I was speaking last year there, they were talking quite a bit about that's becoming very popular. What kind of liability insurance do they need for something like that? We can cover that under the traditional policies. Um, it's going to, The questions are going to be uh, what, are, what types of Telemedicine is a broad definition for a lot of things. Everything's from reading, reading, from reading X-ray scans to you know, prescribing supplements. So it's going to be a, a function of what are you doing it for, how often are you doing it, are you licensed in the states that you're performing telemedicine. It's going to be very customized up mm-hmm. in terms of how it's looked at because of the broad definition of what telemedicine is. And you just have to provide specifics on this is what I'm using it for, and you know uh, if, if if it's well adopted and well um, formatted and what have you. It's uh, I, I initially started getting into telemedicine years ago when um, you know the Nighthawk radiology type thing started to surface where they wanted to start reading X, X-rays you know overnight in the United States from during the day in Australia and have a radiologist there and vice versa and. So that was a specific use for that right there. And for in our industry, it's mostly just for like wellness consultations, face-to-face Skype-type meetings, and uh, things like that are acceptable. Uh, um, you know, but again, it's just it's the, the risk there is actually as not, not so much professional as it is in having someone you know have a cyber liability issue with someone hacking into a conversation or patient medical records being stolen and things like that. So it's more operational than it is professional because it's st- it, because if, as long as they have a patient doctor relationship through the telemedicine, 
you know, that's something that we're going to be able to cover. So is there a solid patient-doctor relationship? What is it being used for? How often is it being done? And and the, if it's something just like a wellness consultation, that's going to be widely accepted as low risk as opposed to something where they're, you know, you're actually maybe trying to diagnose something or prescribe something, uh, telemedicine. Well, I was just at the AM Spa conference down in Hollywood, Florida. I was speaking there, and I was the person that was speaking right before me was a lawyer, and they were discussing all the different HIPAA regulations that all these doctors have to go through, jumping all the hoops. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like you were talking about somebody cyber hijacking information, or I mean, some of the things she was saying were you you can't even call a person and tell them anything over the phone. They have to talk to them in person. I mean. It's crazy all the laws that are required for right and there's a lot of constraints to telemedicine because of what you just said mm-hmm. yeah crazy but anyway we are almost right at the hour here so um i want to have everybody the opportunity to get in touch with you here at so what would you where can somebody go or what can you offer members of our community so you can help them and maybe answer further questions that they might have Oh, thanks, Dory. Um, you know, we're an, a nationwide agency. We specialize in what Dory had uh, described at the onset of alternative medicine, med spas, anti-aging. Uh, we have experienced agents that are, we operate in about 40 states. You can reach us with any questions you have, uh, calling me here in Chicago at uh, 312-561-2374. You can visit our website, which is www.medispacover.com. Uh, and there's also information, some FAQ and download. You can actually get a you know quick quote from the site, download an application. And we're here if um, you know it's a solution-driven type approach. Mm-hmm. And Ed spells his last name K-U-H-N. Correct. Who would like to have his full name? So I would definitely advise to reach out to him and see how he can help you and answer any questions that you might have. Well, I'm so excited that you joined us, Ed. Um, I want to tell everybody what our next interview is. For our next interview, we're going to be talking about lasers. Actually, it's a perfect topic following insurance, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> So I'm going to have uh, Victoria uh, join me. She's from Sharplight, and they sell great lasers, but she's an expert in lasers, and we're going to talk about what to look for, what to avoid, do's and don'ts of shopping for a laser. And then the month after that, I'm going to have uh, my friend and attorney, employment attorney, Chris Sensnick. She's a employment attorney here in Florida. She's going to be joining me for the next interview, and we're going to talk about all sorts of differences between independent contractors, employees, status, do's and don'ts, things like that. So I'm very excited about the next two calls. I would also like to offer something special for all people that join us today. If you want to go to inspirationmanagement.com forward slash free gifts, you'll be able to download some great gifts from this landing page. And um, Enjoy has on it uh, a complimentary book, a spa capacity calculator that you can fill out, and also one audio from the Coach Me Gold series. So enjoy. Again, that's inspirationmanagement.com forward slash 
free gift. Well, again, thank you so much, Mr. Ed, for joining me. Thank you. It was a pleasure, and keep in touch, and maybe next time I'm in Chicago, you'll be there instead of being skiing. <laughs> I'm usually here, Dory, but by all means, and thank you, everyone. All right, everyone. God bless, and talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.